Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. From the complete Jewish Bible. One afternoon at 3 o'clock, the hour of Menkah prayers, as Kepha and Yokohan were going up to the temple, a man crippled since birth was carried, was being carried. Every day people used to put him at the beautiful gate of the temple so that he could beg from those going into the temple court. When he saw Kepha and Yokanan about to enter, he asked them for some money, but they stared straight at him, and Kepha said, Look at us. The crippled man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Kepha said, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth, walk and take hold of him by his right hand. Kepha pulled him up and instantly his feet and ankles became strong so that he sprang up, stood a moment and began walking. Then he entered the temple court with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Everyone saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the same man who had formerly sat begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were utterly amazed and confounded at what had happened to him. We have a few visitors here today. Does anybody not know what the complete Jewish Bible is? Everyone, Everyone's familiar with the complete Jewish Bible? You're not, Mike? Jacob, you are? Okay, good. I was just wondering, you might be wondering, it's the version she read, and I just was, if you were following, wondering who Kepha was, I was just... Wanted you to wanted us clear it up for you. You want to know who it is? It's the same as yours. What'd yours say? Oh, <laughs> you weren't following along. I put you on the spot. <laughs> Peter, just the, it's the it's the Greek name for Peter, Kepha, which means head head. Also, Kepha and Yochanan. That's John. So sometimes sometimes I think we take things for granted a little bit. We want to assume everyone knows what we're talking about. And and uh, he did mention something about Mincha also. And we'll get into that as we get into this message. So we'll we'll cover that as well. So if you do ever have any questions about what's going on, please don't hesitate to ask. Don't ask, just don't hesitate to ask Michael. Michael will probably answer your question. Or myself or Chaim. Um, today, if, if you haven't been here for a little while, we've, we've been preaching through the, or looking at the book of Acts, preaching through the book of Acts. Rabbi Chaim's been doing that. And uh, kind of the, one of the themes that's been emerging and something that emerged last week was this idea that, you know, when we think about the book of Acts, we often just focus on the spectacular stuff that goes on. You know, we think of all the miracles and, and, the, and the, the movement of the Spirit. And really, as Chai mentioned last week, we should probably not so much think about it as the, 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 the book of the, the Acts of the Apostles, which is what it says, but it's the, the Acts of the, of the Spirit of God or the Acts of God. But that those spectacular and miraculous things, really, when you look at it, when you look at the context and look at the story and you kind of look at the flow of things from the Gospels and the end of Luke and through Acts, that really the, the spectacular stuff is really just a bit of a, a snapshot of what's going on. A snapshot meaning, you know, when you take a picture, it's two-dimensional, right? There's length and width and there's no depth to it. And really, not that those things are unimportant, they're very significant, but that really there's more than what we see just in the spectacular in that when you make promises or decisions just based on spectacular emotions, as I mentioned last week, they can tend to be uh, tentative or not really a lasting thing. And when it comes to those very exciting things, those things that maybe 
uh, you know, get you really fired up to do work for God or excited about God and jumping up and down and, and so forth. Um, again, those things are good. I'm not minimizing them, but what I want us to see is for me, that, that's kind of really the picture I think of is, is like a, a Roman candle. If you're familiar with like fireworks, if you ever did those as a kid, and I don't even know if they're legal in Colorado or not, but they, they were where I was. And so, you know, Roman candle, the thing you, you light it, you back up and all these things come shooting out. Some things go flying and spinning and everybody gathers around and wants to see it. But 30, 45 seconds later, it's just, you know, it's just sort of fizzling and it's, it's out, you know, and then, and then what? And if that's the way we look at the spectacular without looking for the deeper things that Chaim was talking about mining after last week, that's, I think, we miss uh, really what's going on in the book of Acts. Um, and with regard to, to the spectacular, with regard to kind of getting that in perspective, one author uh, put it this way, said, people usually come within the sound of the gospel in order to avail themselves of the power of God for personal needs. But they stay because they know the message is true. And so that's the idea of, of going below just the, the spectacular or the things that grab our attention. Um, and again, after that initial excitement wanes and it whew, just kind of fizzles out, what's left is really what we need to look at because that's really the foundation upon which we need to, we need to build. Um, and if, if you don't look at it that way, what happens, what, what can happen is you think, well, I don't see the spectacular every day. That must mean... God's not working like I saw him work before, and he's not present anymore. The time says he's off on, a, on an island somewhere. You know, if, you, if you're just looking at that, and that's the thing you're trying to build on, then that's the, you're, you're going to get a little depressed thinking that God's not around anymore. If you see in this, in this chapter, actually, we're gonna, I'm going to look at more just beyond what we've read today, but in, in verse, um, verse 11, of, of, which is the next verse after Sharon was reading, if you look at verse 11, and then you look over at, at, at chapter 4, verse 4, you notice in verse 11, it says that all people took notice of what was going on. And then in chapter 4, it says that many believed. So really, there's, there's, you know, to, to glom on just to the spectacular, the spectacular gets everyone's attention, but it's not really the foundation that's going to really make a big difference. You see that all took notice, but only many believed. So again, I want to look at a little bit closer, not just at those verses that Sharon read, but I really would have read the whole chapter, but I, you know, I didn't want to make her read the entire chapter because really... That, that's the context. A lot of people will stop and just focus on that miracle, but really, that's the, I think that's the spectacular that gets our attention for sure, but then what is it really that's being taught in the rest? I think that's what we need to really take a look at. So we're going to kind of go through this, and you know, it did start off with this, with this story of, of the lame man, and I just want to stop here for a moment and say, you know, what is it that we know about the lame man? What do we, what do we learn about him from, this, from this, uh, this portion of Scripture and a little bit, a little bit more in these, this chapter, these two chapters? Just, you know, there's not a lot we know, but we know some, some basic things and some good stuff here that, number one, he was a lame man. He was lame from birth. This was not an accident or something. This is something he's had his entire life from the womb, it says. And certainly, um, well, everybody, you know, they, they brought him. Day after day, they brought him. And the, the sense of the, of the, the grammar there, it's the, it was a definitely customary, habitual, recurring activity, uh, something that was deeply embedded for some time. Okay, and I think because of that, I think that it's pretty clear everybody knew him. Everybody, everybody saw him. Um, you know, in, uh, in where, where I came from, there's a highway in, 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 this, in this place I lived at in Maryland. It goes through a little residential section. And uh, when it gets to the residential section, at least when I was growing up, there's a guy on his porch. Old guy. You know? 
And I guarantee if I ask seven, you know, if I ask 10 people in Bowie, Maryland, you know 450 when you're going down, you hit the residential section, and there's that guy. Yeah, the waving guy. Yeah, 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 I know the waving guy. You know, at least seven out of 10 people know the waving guy, right? And I think it's that same kind of idea. Everybody knew him. He was set in his ways. He'd come, he'd beg, and, and the people were set in their ways with how they, how they interacted with him. Um, I'd say in some respects, he kind of just probably blended into the landscape a bit for most people, a bit unnoticeable. Um, and I don't want to fault, I'm not, I'm not going to fault the, blame, the, the lame man for what he did in terms of begging. I'm not going to fault you know, the people for what they did or criticize or pick apart what they did. I doubt there was really much of a choice that they had in what they were doing, and I doubt there was much of a choice in this time that this man had in terms of you know, what he could do other than come and, and beg. But what I do, again, want to draw our attention to, what I, what I want to look at is what did, in fact, happen. Again, I don't want to speculate about all the other things, you know, where, where he came from and what he could have done. What he would, but I want to look at what, what did happen to him. And there's a key I want to, I want to point you to in verse 6. And most of you, uh, probably all of your verses start off the same way in verse 6. It's a very fancy word that we have when we, the, the, the academic people study language. The, the, what we have there is called an adversative. Very fancy, right? Adversative. And uh, really, it's a fancy way to say but. You know, but. It's an adversative, but. And I think it's critical. When I read this, it kind of stood out to me because picture the guy, you know, sitting there, hand out, wanting money, but. And it says, but Peter said. In other words, something different was going to happen. Something he wanted, that's not what he was going to get. It was an adversative there. The last thing he was looking for was, or even thinking about, I believe, was, was getting the ability to walk. He was looking for one thing, but he got another. I want to ask you, can you relate to that at all? Can you relate to him? Can you relate to his life at all? I mean, I thought about that, and I thought, well, you know, I'm not desperate like him. Maybe we're all not desperate like this man. Just his only option was to go and beg. But, but then again, maybe, maybe we are. Maybe we are going about our lives in a very similar way, day after day, month after month, year after year, talking the same, you know, living the same way, talking the same rhetoric, you know, the same stuff that always comes out of our mouth. Maybe we just, same stuff over and over again, asking for the same stuff, complaining about the same stuff, expecting the same stuff, never ever thinking about ever getting anything different than what we, what we are looking for. Um, like Heim mentioned last week, it's kind of the, the Eeyore mentality from, you know, from Winnie the Pooh, the donkey, you know, like, eh, nothing's going to change. Not expecting God to do anything different. This is just what I do day after day, and this is how God deals with me, and so forth. Well, my question is... is uh, could there be an adversative in your future somewhere? You know? Is it possible that maybe you are really looking for something, waiting on one thing, when really you could really do with another? Maybe something that's not even in your mind right now. Could there be a, a but coming for you? And I, I don't mean that funny. You know what I, that may sound weird, but uh, you know what I'm trying to get at here. What's it like when you're expecting something, but you get something else? Can you, can you picture that for a minute? How about, just to give you an example, how about food? You know, someone says, hey, uh, Freddie, hey, okay, I got something really good. Close your eyes, open your mouth, you know. And you, and you, you ever done that? Ever wife done that to a friend? You know, open, open, just open up, trust me, you know. And, and maybe, you know, you don't know what to expect. So maybe it's, you're thinking, okay, this is going to be a piece of chicken. Oh, it's like some kind of dessert. Oh, it's a little different, you know. Uh, I heard a story about a guy. He was driving with, he was on a road trip, and his son was in the seat behind him. And he's driving along, and his son said, Daddy, I got some candy. You want a candy? He said, sure, I have a candy. So son reaches around. He goes, guess what flavor it is, you know. Puts it in his mouth. And, Oh, that's, that's lemon. Yeah, it's lemon. The son was so excited, little boy, so he keeps doing it. You know, he's playing the game. He's like, 
Oh, that's cherry. Oh, that one's grape, you know. Oh, that's orange. Yeah, yeah. What's when the nurse dad's like, what's that? That's horrible, actually. What, what is that one? What is that, son? He goes, well, I don't know, daddy. I ran out of candy, and I just found it back here on the floor somewhere, you know. And, you know? We need to be willing to expect the unexpected, you know, and, that, and honestly, in, in our context here, that might come in the form of a sweet piece of candy, and it might come in the form of some who knows what piece of, you know, dust ball from the, from the floorboard, right? Might be good, might not be something good. I remember Chaim talking about a time in his life when he, you know, asked to go deeper with God and then ended up uh, with some real back pain and ended up going deeper with God at that point. So again, it might be good something we get that's unexpected, might be bad. But as believers living by the Spirit, you know, the Word of God tells us in Romans, it says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to His purpose. So for, for the lame man, he got something he wasn't expecting, something he never could have imagined. But it, it was that very thing that he that was not even in his thinking that literally transformed his life. And we'll see also, not only did it transform his life, because again, that's sometimes the focus on this miracle and, you know, let's, let's have a healing meeting. But really what also it did is it ended up transforming the lives of all the people around him as well. And I really think that's what our relationship with God should do. That's what it should be about. Not only will it, should it transform our, our lives, but it should also change those people that are around us as well. And as we're going to see as we continue looking, hopefully, at the, the details here, it needs to be not so much because of us, per se, you know, how great we are and how great we look or how great things look in our lives, but because of God working in us. Um. As you, read, as you read scripture, there's one thing, they, one thing I remember, a, a little piece of the, I don't know, when, when they taught us in preaching class in seminary, you know, how to look at a text. One of the things, one of the steps of the process was to look for, um, they called it the tension. Look in the story for some point of tension that then, and then look, when you find that, see how that tension gets relie- relieved. And maybe that's a focal point. You know, how is that tension relieved in the story? And when I first read this story, I, again, I thought the tension really was that moment when the lame man looked at Peter and John, and they looked back at him, and they said, you know, they relieved that tension, get up and walk. But as I looked at the, the story more in its entirety, I, I started seeing, really, I feel the tension in the story is the reaction of the crowd versus the reaction of, of Peter and John. You know, this miracle happens, and then they're trying to, the, the crowd is trying to figure out how in the world did this happen. And the tension gets relieved by the, by the bulk of the rest of the chapter, which is Peter explaining what's going on. And, you know, the crowd's immediate reaction was amazement, rightfully so. But it wasn't necessarily amazement just at what, or there wasn't necessarily amazement at what God had done, but what these men had done. They were looking at, at the men, at Peter and John. They were looking for an explanation for this healing. Somehow outside of, of God, they were looking there. Now, are there things in your life, possibly, that are glaringly obvious as the power of God but you're looking, you know, you might think, you're always trying to explain away. Maybe it happened some other way and it wasn't God or it's because of these circumstances and luck of the draw or whatever. Or, 
Or do you look across the aisle, you know, at some people here even, or you look at, look at someone at work or someone on TV, people in Hollywood, and you, or you might say, you know, okay, I can see God working in Lee's life. Clearly, Lee's, you know, his business is thriving, or Yvonne's businesswoman of the year, two years in a row. Obviously, God's blessing you, right? But then when you look at yourself, I, you know, can't see any of that in me, but I see the Lord working in her life, but, but not in my life, clearly, you know? Are there things that you're looking at? anywhere they might be in your sphere of life, your sphere of influence, assuming and attributing what you see to something else other than God. Are you always trying to explain how this happened, that happened, how you made such a good deal here, how that person did such a good opportunity there, but never thinking that really this is coming from the Lord. And this is where Peter's message is born out of this idea of wrong assumption. And he hits them very hard right off, right off the bat with it too. I'm going to go down to verses 12 to 16. So after he's, you know, these people are amazed and they're wondering how in the world could this happen? They're thinking that it must be some way other than God. He says, when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. He said, you Israelites, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Yeshua, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And faith, that is through Yeshua, has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. Now, a couple of things I want to just talk about real quickly here. Uh, Sharon mentioned earlier, when she was reading her, said at the time of Mincha, there's at least one Talmudic source, which I could give you the, the source if you'd like it later, that, that talks about you know, when the, the prayer services, the three prayer services that are even existing in Judaism today, when they were instituted. Um, they said that was at, at the destruction of the first temple. The first service, you get morning, afternoon, and evening. Morning is the um, Shacharit service, and then you've got the Mincha, and then you've got the Ma'ariv, which is the evening service. And the way that the Romans reckoned time, they did it from sun up in the morning. And so some of your translations, like if you have the complete Jewish Bible, they say mincha. Some of them say 3 p.m. Literally, it says the ninth, the hour nine. And so you might have the ninth hour in there. But it's, it's this mincha uh, service. We see earlier in the book that they were devoting themselves to prayers. They were going to the temple. And they were going there at the, the hour of prayer, the mincha time. Anybody familiar with the mincha service? Well, okay, good. So we'll, we'll learn a little something. So... One of the central prayers during the Minchas, it's in the Siddur. It's a, Siddur, it's a book, a prayer book. Jorge had mentioned the Siddur before. If you look in the Siddur, the 18 benedictions. Anyone heard of the 18 benedictions? Well, you got the book right there. Look at that. You can follow along if you want. It's called the Shimona Esrei, 18. 18 prayers. You want to hear the first one? It goes like this. Maybe you're probably a little, little bit uh, faster even. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu velohei avoteinu Elohei Avraham Elohei Yitzchak velohei Yaakov Ha'el ha'gadol ha'gibor ve'hanora El Elyon gomer chasadim tovim v'konei ha'kol v'zocher chasdei avot U'mevi goel ivnei v'neihem l'ma'an shimov yahava Melech ozer u'moshiach u'magein Baruch atah Adonai magein Avraham There you go. Now, want to hear it in English? Some of you probably picked up some of that. This is going somewhere. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, and the God of our forefathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, 
the great, mighty, and awesome God, the supreme God who bestows beneficial kindness and creates everything, who recalls the kindness of the patriarchs and brings a redeemer to their children's children for his namesake with love. O king, helper, savior, and shield, blessed are you, Adonai, shield of Abraham. Anything sound familiar there? Yeah. I mean, this is what's being said at Mincha. Now, Peter, I think, very deliberately says this here. He's basically saying, look, you're looking at us like we did something here. Here you are at Mincha, the God you're worshiping three times a day, every day, the stuff you just heard, the stuff maybe you're about to say, the stuff that you've heard in the past, day after day, yes, this healing is because of him, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The same one. You know, my, my, my father, uh, not a believer, Jewish, you know, raised Jewish, raised me Jewish, believe in anything but Jesus kind of guy. Uh, maybe he doesn't even believe in God now, but if you go to his house, he's got a mezuzah on his door, which is a little thing we've got back there by our door as well. You know, it says we believe the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We speak about him when we get up, walk along the way. As for us in our house, we'll serve the Lord. My dad's got that on his door, okay? If I'd have called him up here to do the Torah blessings today, he'd have, no problem, okay? Um, but does he believe those things or take them to heart? That's a question for him. I, I seem to think I know the answer, but um, how about us? What do we say about God a lot? What are some things we say? Think about it for a minute. We praise God, you know. God is good. He's on the throne. We say these things. Are these bad things? No, not at all. Is the mezuzah there on my dad's door? Bad, not at all. Is saying, bless the Lord who is blessed forever and ever? Bad, no. But the question is, do we always act like we believe those things? Do we really think about what we're saying? Do we have it take root in us? Or is our spiritual life sometimes just filled with, with gimmicks, looking for how to use God and his power, maybe just how to simply live properly or to get what we want? I think Peter makes a very deliberate point that goes against this idea of, of gimmicks, and it's another one I want to take a moment to look at. Because, again, I think he's pointing to the fact of, look, you're, you're, you're saying the right things, but do you believe them? Are you really rooted in these things? And in verse 6, and also verse 16. I want to read those two verses side by side. Verse 6 and verse 16. You heard verse 6 earlier. This is all in chapter 3. It said, But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah from Nazareth. And by faith in his name, this is verse 16, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Yeshua has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. So again, I want, to, I want you to see this as a progression. I believe... Peter is trying to refocus. He's, he's diverting the attention from himself, saying, this is the God you're worshiping. And in fact, it's the name that he discusses here. Three times in those two verses, he, we have this word name. The same word for name is the one we use for Shem in Hebrew. It's the same word he's using here in Greek. Discussing the name of God, which again, I think is part of Peter's message, part of building this foundation beyond the healing, part of understanding what, what this healing is based on, is the name. And discussing the name of God, I know the ladies have done a Bible study on the name or discussions of the name. There's posters with the name, all the names that God's called in the Bible. That could be a, you know, a lengthy discussion in and of itself. I looked in a couple of uh, theological dictionaries. They're just like, actually the dictionary, there's, there's a dictionary in for, for biblical languages, and then there's theological dictionaries. The dictionary is just like the dictionary, like we have the dictionary uh, and in that book alone, the word for name, the Greek word, it's like three pages defining this. Three pages in, the, in just the dictionary. Now you look in the theological dictionary, which is, goes into more depth of the, the history of the word and how it's been used classically and, and all these. 
you know, all the way up through the Old Testament, New Testament, Septuagint, these things. That's a, that's a 40-page article. 40-page article on the name. So I'm going to start at page one. Um, I'll read you what was on page one. That's all I'll do, though. It says, in general, there was a worldwide and is a worldwide belief that the name of an object, person, or higher being is more than a mere label, only incidentally associated with the one who bears it. The name is an indispensable part of the personality. Amen. Now, let me look around the room. I won't, I won't decide how old anyone is. I used to watch a show growing up called WKRP. Anyone watch that? Okay, good. This will be fun. So all, you know all the characters, WKRP. Anyone not know WKRP, Chris uh, Ayers? Oh, I'm sorry. Did Chris have? <laughs> I pick on the 30-year-old here. It's a little show about a radio station. There's a couple characters in there. Uh, there's a boss guy, and then there's a sales guy. Mr. Carlson was the boss, right? Remember the sales guy, Tar- Herb Tarlick? And then you got the two DJs, Johnny Fever. Anyone know Johnny Fever's last name? No, that's his nickname. Johnny Caravella. And then you've got Venus Flytrap. I don't know his real name. And then you've got the secretary. The sec- there's, there's a pretty blonde secretary, uh, Ms., uh, what's her name? Mar- Jennifer Marlowe. And then you had Les Nessman, who was the news reporter, a little humble news reporter. Well, this is... so. One time, I remember one episode where, where uh, Jennifer had this boyfriend, and he came to the station. He was his strapping guy. His name was Steele, okay? And so Steele's meeting everybody, and all the guys, like, like Les was just enthralled with Steele, right? So Les, 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 Les is talking to Steele. He's just like, his eyes are wide, and he says, he said, Steele, that's an interesting name. How'd you get that name? Steele said, well, I feel a man's name ought to just talk about the kind of man he is, you know, and... He said, now, what was your name again? Les. It was very sad, you know? But the name is very important. The name is a power which is very closely associated with the one who bears that name. Okay? Pronouncement of that name sets in, in operation energy that's contained in that person. And it's a very big piece of what Peter and John were doing here by drawing attention to the name because the name indicated in whose power they were coming. And it wasn't theirs. They wanted to make it very clear that it was not their authority. And what this should do, and again, what I would like this to do when we look at this, as we're looking again, remember, we're looking, yes, there was a miraculous event in the first 10 verses. What is the foundation? After that Roman candle fizzles out, what is left there that we're building on? And this is one of the pieces here. What this should do is cause us to more deeply investigate this person whose name it is that we invoke, Peter was invoking at that time. And that was Peter's intention there. Again, he was trying to deflect that attention. And it's very important to us, I think, too, that we do the same thing, and that we not get caught up in, in last week Kime called it a very good word, I think, gimmickry. Gimmickry, or, or I've seen it as formulas. I have had, I had watched arguments going on in theology class at seminary, you know, because well, we pray in, in Yeshua's name. No, 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 that's not right. We want to pray in God's name, in the Father's name. Let's just keep it generic and just say in your name, in his name, or just not say any name, you know? And I think we get so caught up in that gimmickry, you know, and here, just so you, just a quick break, you know, here at CYT, you know, we, we believe in, a, if you're visiting, we believe in a complex unity of God, um, that's commonly referred to as the Trinity. We can argue all day long, is that biblical, is it in the Bible, and so forth. But at the end of the day, we believe that there's plenty of scriptural evidence to show God as Father, God as Son, God as Holy Spirit in the Bible. And again, what's most important, again, what's most important 
is that we spend our time delving into the person behind that name. Okay? We can have our tertiary arguments, Trinity, no Trinity, you know, and argue all these things in, in whose name do we pray if we think that God's God, Yeshua's God, Holy Spirit's God, they're all worthy to be prayed to. We can argue all that stuff. But at the end of the day, what's most important is we do what Paul, I mean what Peter, I believe, is doing here and is focusing us on who's behind the name. It's not just the name. In fact, if you want to flip over and see something kind of, this is, a, I think it's a hilarious story. Acts 19 and uh, verses 13 to 16, if you want to see how this can kind of go awry, you know, Paul, this is a place in, in Acts where Paul's now on the scene and he's healing people to the point where when Paul gets sweaty out there and he wipes his thing, he throws it, you know, people grab that and they get healed by this hanky. Um, so some people, people saw that. And here in verse 13, there was some, it says, some Jewish exorcists. It says, but some traveling Jewish exorcists also tried to invoke the name of the Lord Yeshua, saying, and here they're talking to a person who was possessed. They said, I charge you by Yeshua, who Paul preaches. Seven sons of a Jewish ruling priest named Sceva were doing this. It says, but the evil spirit answered them, I know Yeshua and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit sprang at them, subduing and overpowering all of them, all seven, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. <laughs> Talk about comedy in the Bible. Let's try and picture that, picture what that looks like, what that would have looked like, you know. But a couple of things to note here, as opposed to our example in chapter 3. Number one, I think is the obvious, the obvious superficial understanding of, of Yeshua and what his name meant. They didn't quite get that. And the other thing that stood out to me, and I think it stood out to me because of the, 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 the direction that, that Chaim has been preaching in here, is that they were traveling exorcists. And some of your translation might say itinerant. Uh, the word just kind of means to, literally, if you put it together, it means to go from place to place, to wander about, you know. You look at that, these itinerant folks, who didn't quite get the understanding of the name, versus we go back to, to last week's message, if you remember what Chaim was talking about there, uh, in chapter 2, verses 42 and 46, we see these, this, this sort of phrase repeated over and over again that we see even later in Acts. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. In other words, versus these traveling, itinerant, wandering about exorcists, these folks were being faithful in their temple worship. Uh, and their faithfulness led them, uh, among other things, to being in the right place at the right time with an opportunity. So, going to put a cap on, on this part of the message, I believe that, you know, I just don't want us to get trapped, in, uh, fall into the trap of gimmickry, you know, we can do it with the name of God, we can do it with amen, I mean, we all say amen, I mean, amen's not a period after the sentence, you know, there's a lot of depth to that word amen, I think often we just get into the sense of, well, well, you didn't say amen, because amen means I believe, or whatever, you know, the point is, it's not a, it's not a gimmick, and it's, it's not, you know, it's not just the healing in his name that Peter calls attention to. That's very important. That's the first part of where he goes with his, his message here. But it's also that the, the, his call in this whole message to repent and what that repentance brings. And it's real critical. In verse 26 of, of chapter 3, it talks about a blessing. And it says in, in verse 26, it says... Um, when God raised up his servant, because he had gone to, on to talk about the name and who was behind the name Yeshua and explained Yeshua from the scriptures. And he said, <clears throat> when God raised up his servant, Yeshua, uh, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. 
So turning means repentance. I mean, this is the basic message Paul's preaching here. This is the message. He doesn't, he doesn't spend time saying, well, let's talk about healing and how to get people healed, you know, because this guy was miraculously healed. He immediately goes in to the message, and this is his message. His message is, look, it's, it's the name, and the name means the person, and this is what the person provides. He rep- provides uh, you this blessing of you turning from your wicked ways. And look at verse 19. Verse 19 gives us kind of the, as Chaim would say, the pay dirt. And I want to spend a moment talking about the, the pay dirt of what, what's really going on here, what this message is, what the gospel message really is. Verse 19 says, Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Anyone have something other than wiped out? Blotted out? Anything other than blotted out, Sharon? Hmm. Wiped away. Wiped away, erase, obliterate. That's a blessing. That's the blessing that he talks about. Isaiah 43, 25 basically says the same thing. It says, I, I am he. This is actually in the context of God pleading for Israel to come back to him. It's part of his sales pitch at that point. He says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. It's pretty emphatic there in, in Isaiah, but it's the same idea. It's almost it's exactly the same idea. It's this idea of, of, of an obliteration that leaves no trace. And, and in, in Isaiah, it's very clear that it's God who's doing it. The same as Peter being very specific here as to this name is the one who provides that. Isaiah is just as emphatic, if not more, with the, the repetition of the, the I, I, I being God. And I think this idea of blotting out is worth looking at for a moment because blotting out implies, to me at least, I think it should to you, if you've got to blot something out, obliterate, wipe it away, leave no trace, wipe away, um, it probably was pretty, something pretty serious, right? Something pretty bad. Now, part of my other, I feel like Clark Kent, you know, when I don't have the rabbi costume on, I, I have another job too. I, I uh, work in real estate management. I manage apartment properties, mainly on the East Coast. And one of the things I do, one of the parts of my job is I, I regularly review applications for tenancy for people. And one of the aspects, one of the things we look at, we're highly regulated, usually the properties we manage by government, so we have to look at, you know, criminal records. So I look at a lot of, I look at a lot of criminal records, and, uh, you know, we have criteria, the government sets criteria, who can and who can't, you know, based on certain criminal backgrounds, and there's, there's timelines, you know, felony of this many years, misdemeanors this many years, or pattern, or recent inc- incarceration currently, all these different things. And so I look at stuff, and I see a lot of criminal records. And you learn a lot about stuff, and so a lot of them I'll see um, string of stuff, but they'll be uh, not prosecuted. There's a Latin term for that, null pros, you know, and, and then there's stet, which means, you know, didn't, you know, that we can't hold that against them. Anything other than a disposition that says guilty. There's so many other dispositions that say guilty, but let me be honest. And, and I, I adhere by fair housing. We adhere by fair housing laws. Um, but when I see them, I take a little closer look at the rest of the application. You know, I remember one time I looked at, I looked at somebody who, it's it just murder. Oh, yeah. It was like 1981. It was like 30 years ago. But it was murder, and it was there. It was on the record. And, you know, I see people, they, they fill out these affidavits that say, you know, you're going to find this on my criminal report, and here's what happened. And they'll explain, you know, I was young, and I've learned my lesson. I've served my, served my time. I was a different person then. I got caught up with the wrong people. They have ex- explanations, and I'm not even downplaying those, but they're there. But here's what I want to suggest. 
What you really want, when a crime is, if you had a criminal thing on your record, is you wouldn't want all that stuff on there, you know, no prostet, blah, blah, blah. Ideally, you'd want it expunged, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be something? Expunged is the same idea. Blotting out or erased like it never happened. And why would we want that? Because if it's there, if it's on the record, and, and I don't believe me, we, plenty of people move in with criminal records because they don't fall within the guidelines. And they did. They did serve their time. They were young at the time. They did run into the wrong, whatever the reason is. But if it's expunged, if it's not expunged, it's on your record. It can be looked at. It can be weighed. It can be judged. And it is there, regardless of how old it is. But if it was expunged, at least for me, looking at that criminal report, I never would even, I wouldn't have thought, I wonder if this guy's a murderer. It's not even there. It's completely not even on the record. And I want to suggest to you that sin is just that bad. It needs to be expunged, not rehabilitated. And from what I've learned from some who are in the know about these things, uh, apparently even getting something expunged is a very uh, difficult thing. It's very expensive. It's an expensive thing, and it's a very difficult thing to do. But that's the blessing that verses 19 and 26 are talking about, this idea of turning from your wicked ways in order for your sins to be blotted out. That's the message that Peter, again, is deflecting from himself. Yeah, we saw this healing, but look, it's because of the name, and here's what the name provides you. And one overarching thing I also want to point out in regard to what we've seen in this section is that this, this whole situation, this whole scenario was only able to take place for a few reasons. And I, I said it before, and as we saw several times in, in, in in uh, the first several chapters of Acts, it's this idea of being steadfast and devoted. In other words, that was their habit. The apostles, their, the disciples, their habit. And I want to encourage each of you here today, I mean, being here today is a very good thing. I mean, being here at Yeshua Tzion, I mean that physically. Um, we don't want to say that we'll just come when CYT's bigger, when we have a building, and when we have more programs and so forth. I think we can get into that kind of thing, or when we have more Jewish people or whatever. But we come and we serve, regardless of what things look like. And we serve because God's called us and he's gifted us and he's put certain things uh, right in front of us. And that's the attitude that it takes to serve God. Because I'm telling you, if you don't have that kind of, if you don't have the attitude, a good attitude when things are bad, you won't have a good attitude when things are good. And if you're not generous when you don't have much, believe me, you won't be given when you got $1,000 because you only got a dollar now. I can assure you of that. Um, if you're nervous and you don't, I'm not want to share my faith. I'm not sure I walk by the, the lame man, for instance, and I'm not sure... You know, Michael mentioned a story. I don't know if he told the details of his story, but he was, he kind of, I think he exhibited this week the same thing. He was on the bus. It was earlier in the week, wasn't it? It wasn't just Wednesday, was it? Monday. It was Monday. He was doing a Bible study Wednesday, and he's got that book open like that. And if you go over and look at it, there's nothing on there. What is that? The woman asked him, well, that's Braille. Oh, what are you reading? Uh, Michael, oh, nothing, just a, just a novel. <laughs> no, Michael said, the Gospel of Matthew from the Bible. And what'd she say? Oh, get away from no. She said, would you, what'd she say? What'd she say, Michael? She said, will you read that out loud? <laughs> will you read that out loud? I don't know what happened, but, you know, that was his habit, you know? And again, if you're nervous, you're not going to be bold when all of a sudden you think you've got all things figured out. Michael, it wasn't like Michael, you know, he was trying to learn from the Gospel of Matthew. What if she asked him, well, what does that mean there in chapter... Five? I don't know. I'm just studying it right now, you know. <laughs> you know, when Peter was preaching this message, uh, he never really wrapped up. He was taken into custody by the priests and the temple guards. And the people were just kind of sitting there left to, to ponder what they had just seen and what they had heard. 
You see that later on. You see that in the beginning of chapter 4 that they were just sort of left there. and Some of them, believe, many of them believed. So I'd like to, I want to kind of do the same today. Not get arrested. Um, <laughs> but uh, just to kind of leave you, leave you with what we've talked about to ponder for yourselves. And then and we're going to take a few minutes now for prayer. And if you'd like to come forward and pray at that time, we'll do that. Then we'll close our service. But while we're doing that, I want to just... I want to leave you some things to think about. I will take a little time that maybe Peter didn't have to, to give you some things to think about as we take this time. And the first thing is that our habits and rituals in your life. We saw the, the habits and rituals, number one, that the, that the layman and the people were involved with, the habits and the rituals that, that the apostles and disciples were, were involved with. But specifically, I want you to think about habits and rituals with regard to, you know, are you stuck? Are you stuck assuming that what you've been doing and what you've been asking for, maybe for years and years and years, is really what you need? You know, really what you need. In other words, are you like the lame man or the crowd, assuming that you know this is the way it is, this is the way it's always been, this is the way it's always going to be? Or does God have something else for you? Does he have something else he wants you to gain, learn? And again, it might be that sweet piece of candy. It might be that fuzzball from the floorboard. I don't know. But is there something else he wants you to learn? The second thing is, how deeply have you received or internalized the gospel message? That might seem pretty simple. Kaim has mentioned it before. We're a messianic congregation, and we should certainly focus on the Messiah. And I think we get a this 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 you know chapter three of Acts is hardcore the gospel message. And my question is, after looking at some of these 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 things here that Peter said, do you really know and think about what it means when you say in Yeshua's name, or in or in your name, or in His name, or, or however you say it? Do you really know and think about what that means? And do you really understand, secondly, what, what it is uh, that he has done for you, what that name has done for you? Do you really understand the depth of your condi- condition, specifically this being sin, before coming to know Yeshua and to know what a tremendous blessing it is to be turned from your wicked ways, for those things to be blotted out, erased, wiped away, obliterated like we talked about before, never to be seen or brought up again? Do you really understand that? And are you dedicated, like the disciples were, in committing themselves to the teaching of Scripture, allowing God to work in their lives? I think that was critical as to why this story happened, other than God you know, ordaining it to happen. But is the Word of God, like it says in Hebrews 4, that it's active? It's, a, it's an active thing. It's not just something you read, but it's, it's working in your life. Is that something that's going on in your life, enabling you to discern the way that Peter did? Because I think there was some... Dis- we didn't even talk about that, but how did they know? I mean, how did he know what he was going to give them? I, mean, I think there was... You read you know, we, chapter 1 and chapter 2, and you can see that Peter is operating by the power of the Spirit, for sure. The Word of God, he's been meditating on it. We saw in chapter 1, he figured out what was going on with Judas. Chapter 2, he brought up Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. Chapter 3, he brings out more Scripture here. He Clearly, the Word of God was working in him. So, are you dedicated in that respect, committing yourselves to the teaching of Scripture and allowing the, the Word of God to work in, you, in your life? And I just pray that God would speak to you in that regard and pray that you know, he would... Um, as Chaim mentioned last week, if, if, if you're not so sure about some of those things, that as you pray, that you ask that God would, would give you uh, the glasses to be able to see how he's working in your life and not assume that, yeah, you know, there's everything, every other reason other than, than him that's, that's, uh, that I can give credit for, for what I'm seeing and what other people see. 